This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by the World Athletics Cross Country Championships Bathurst 23. See our Aussies take on the world's best at Mount Panorama on February 18, 2023. Spectator tickets and mass race registrations on sale now at worldathleticscrosscountry.com. Welcome to episode 266 of the Inside Running Podcast. This week is shaping up to be a real cracker. We have 16-year-olds winning national titles, fast marathon times in Valencia, and two Australian records to discuss, plus the general manager for the upcoming World Cross Country Champs drops in to chat about the event and how we can all get involved. Welcome to my co-host, the 357-1500 metre man and 2019 World Champs rep, Julian, the big moose Spence. How are you, mate? Oh, you got that wrong. I've run 354. Oh, mate, mate, World Athletics Profile doesn't lie, does it? It does. It has. <laughs> it has um, in this instance. Those three, that was a big race for me back then, 354. Yeah. Nice, that's good. That's uh, actually better than I would have thought. <laughs> I, was, I was a fast, I was coming off football. I was fast twitch, doing a lot of track stuff. 354, I was pretty proud of. I always thought I'd get it quicker, but uh, that was actually – I ran two 1500s after that, and both were um, like – one was a, a, a like a, a heat for um, the CCAA championships, and one was the final in that. So they were both tactical. So I didn't get a chance to run fast again. When, there, when it was a tactical 1500, did you get to the front and try and wind it up? Oh, or yeah. Did, or did you back your kick? So the first one came in about, I uh, got going about 300 to go and all I needed was top something to get through and that was okay. And then in the final, I was never going to win that. So what I tried to do is um, basically just protect the guy that I, like our teammate who was going to win. And uh, so I, I kind of, he needed to get up from the back of the pack round with about, about 500 to go. So I went, so I kind of went around the pack and he followed me and um, slingshotted him in for the win, Croaks. Bit of um, shake and bake. I'll tell you what, I'm actually really <laughs> regretting mentioning your 1,500-metre time in that intro now. It's, um, because, it's a good because time Moose, for a girl, Jules. <laughs> but the reason why, Moose, is enough about you. It's been a massive week in, uh, in Australian running. Mm, it has. Are you pumped, Are you pumped for this week? Yeah, well, we've already spoken for a while tonight um, off air. So mm. you've, you've kind of sucked a bit of life out of me. All but right. I'll come back. I'll come back. All right. Well, I'll introduce our other co-host. She ran the marathon at last year's Olympics and is Australia's fifth fastest 10,000-metre runner of all time, 
from when she finished 13th at the 2019 World Champs in a time of 31.18. She's also Julian's boss at Run Strong Online Coaching. Welcome back to the show, Ellie Pashley. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I feel uh, pretty lucky that I get to be on the show the day after two Australian marathon records went down. Yeah. Was it inspiring to watch? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I can't. Are we, are we going to talk about it properly? Nah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Let's um, yeah. let's talk about you first. So we had you on maybe eight or nine weeks ago. Um, what's been happening since we, we last heard from you? Uh, yeah, so I've just been ticking along since then. Uh, I think I had a bout of COVID probably a month ago, so about, yeah, mid that time period. Um, but otherwise, training's been going well, and I've just basically been building a little bit each week, just adding a bit of mileage. Uh, sessions are getting a little bit bigger and harder, and fitness is taking a while, but it's slowly coming back. Mm. Had a race win as well? Yeah, yep. I did run along a few weeks ago, just my first uh, hit out just to get an idea of where we were at. So that was a 10K. Um, and, yeah, it was hard, but really, really fun to be back racing. And Moose, are you writing the program now? Yeah, probably for a while now. I think – Yeah, a couple of months, I reckon. Yeah, there was a period where you got sick, where you had, um, like, an infection, and that then I reckon you took over as you came back from that. Um, and then COVID threw you for a bit. So it's sort of been a, a bit of a hiccup riddled return. Um, but that's okay because it's probably slowed down overdoing it. Mm. Like it's not, you haven't had injuries or anything. It's sort of just slowed down um, getting too carried away. It's probably a bit of a blessing in disguise really. Yeah, and what's, true. And what's, what's the plan over the next few months? Any races picked out? Yeah, so I'm going to do World Cross Trials in Jan. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not going to be – I'm definitely not going to be competing for a spot on the team, but just I think I need I needed something like that that was big enough that it was going to make me really focused and train hard, and particularly now that my mileage is getting up a bit higher and I'm doing doubles and things, yeah, I needed a big race like that on the calendar. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll do that in Jan. And then after that, I've got to work out what I'm going to do marathon wise, but, um, yeah, we'll probably get another month of training under the belt first. I, I did message Jules last week and say, do you think I should do Zadabek? <laughs> I had a last minute cause I knew the registrations were closing and yeah, I just, I, I wanted to, if, if he thought it was going to be a good thing for, from a fitness perspective, then I was sort of keen to do it. But I also knew that I wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be a run that I was going to be satisfied with. So, um, yeah, and it was actually good. Jules just said that. I think you just need some good training weeks. Um, so I think it'll just be a fair mental whack going out there and getting whooped at Zadapec, so... So yeah. question for both of you about World Cross Trials. At, at that point, so it's early January, where will you be in terms of percentage of fitness, um, you know, at, like compared to your peak? Do you think you'll be back to like 70%, 80%? Oh, Maybe uh, 70. Depends how the next sort of six weeks go. Like it's, it's just it's hard to know. I think the summer gives a good opportunity to get a little bit fitter with the heat down here. Um, 
like you've got a good group, Ali. You, like you've, you're at a level now where you've got people that can do workouts with you, so you've got a group around you as well. Like I, I fully think, and and I would, if I was a betting man, I would, I would put money on you actually making that team. Mm. Nice oh. moose. I like that. That's not a good bet. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. He'll take my money. Who yeah. wants to take my money? See, I reckon I'm going to be one month off. Like, I reckon you need – for me, I feel like I probably just need an extra month of weeks at a mileage that's high enough to get me there. Like, it'll, yeah, I reckon I'll be on the way there but probably still just absorbing – November, December training, and I don't think the fitness will really kick in until Feb, March. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Mm, it's gonna it's, be a great, it's, it's great trial. So unknown, like we're just working it out. Oh yeah, the trial's mm. gonna be awesome. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a really, really hard team to make. I think in the men's and women's. Well, even if you miss a spot, you can go and do the golden ticket race the day before World Cross, and uh, as long as you finish top seven there, Oceania, you get a run. Ah, right. yeah. You, yeah, <laughs> you, you just, I don't just know. Back up. Walshie will be back up later and tell us about this. Yeah, yeah. you just have to back up. You, guys are talking about. you just have to yeah. back up 24 hours after you've raced. Oh, <laughs> so. Imagine your legs 24 hours after a 10k cross country. Mm. No, you take it easy. You, you finish in seventh position, and so you basically just do it as an up tempo jog because I don't think you're going to get that deep of a field there trying to get the tickets. Um, and and so you'll be fit by then, and so then you come out and you are. That would throw a spanner in the works to World Cross if you had some sort of like star show up, win the golden ticket, and then do really well in the race. Yeah, smack a few people who actually qualified for their country. Yeah. Mm. There'd be a few nervous, <laughs> like just say Stewie doesn't get picked or he's injured for the trial and they don't pick him or whatever, and then he rocks up, gets a golden ticket. Um, should be interesting position. Yeah. Um, Ellie, oh, do you want to do you want to take us through then what you did for last week? Sure. All right. So on Monday I just did an easy run in the morning. So uh, a 12k. Then I did some drills and strides. Uh, pretty cruisy pace. And then Tuesday morning I did hill reps. So I had 15 lots of 30 seconds. So I just ran out from home. About four and a half K from my house, there's a basically perfect hill for a 30-second hill rep that goes up to a dam just on a nice gravel road. So I just ran out there by myself um, or with my dog <laughs> and, yeah, just did – basically just ran as hard as I could for 30 seconds. Um, wildly unimpressive. I don't know what the pace was. It's it's sort of a – I think it's quite a good gradient hill. It's not too mm. steep. Um, but it's steep enough that you're working hard no matter what pace you run. But it's, yeah, I think I was probably running maybe 330s, 340s for my hill reps. That's a solid hill gradient, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you start, so did you do a 30-second rep and put down a marker and just render that, or were you going 30 seconds every single rep? Uh, I did. I worked out the first one about where I got to. There was just a reflector pole there. And then, yeah, I basically just ran to there each time, which yeah. looks like all of my splits are 31 seconds. Maybe one was yeah. 32. So, yeah. Um, and it's so you, you managed to keep it around even. Steeper yeah. As it goes. yeah, I think they felt pretty even. The effort got 
really hard. Like the first five were okay. And then I think I'm, I noticed that in my legs, just that probably lack of um, conditioning that I got really, really fatigued in the legs. Like my heart rate, I would say wasn't getting particularly high, but my legs just felt cooked by the end. Yeah. Um, just, that for, Because you haven't, I mean, you're using fast twitch muscles that are pretty much non-existent in you anyway. Yeah, but, exactly. And, and, and <laughs> then the no conditioning for it. That would be a hard workout. But also yeah. recovery recoveries aren't that long. Like given, you know, if you're running hard for 30 seconds, like the equivalent of hard 200s, and then having to jog back down the hill, you're giving, you're giving yourself between 50 and 55 seconds. So like it probably would take a toll after a while that session because, yeah, you, you still have to jog back down. So you're not – it's not pure recovery like standing around. Yeah, true. And the gradient of the hill, it's probably the kind of hill that you end up coming down quite fast because it's not so steep that you're – really slow but it's yeah steep enough that you sort of get rolling even if you're just really relaxing as you go down yeah. um but yeah anyway that was good because it was hard and i had does the dog the next day does the dog do each rep or stay at the bottom yeah no nah, she does each rep she's i don't think she's smart enough to work yeah. out that that's a dumb dog stops halfway <laughs> that is a real her. dumb dog every time she goes it's like she thinks it's a game yeah <laughs> obviously not uh affecting her too much if she can do it <laughs> no she's pretty fit um and then I did my first double that day so I just did 30 minutes on the treadmill in the evening so yeah like I don't know what the pace was. it says 507s here I think I was probably running about five minute k's I usually start a little bit slower than 12 and then finish just faster than 12 um for those ones and then next morning I just did an easy 14k I uh, tried to keep it pretty flat because my legs were a bit domsy. And then on Thursday morning, I ran with Bree. So uh, we did 16K. I just We just did a town loop of, Air, of Anglesey, actually. I went to her place, had a stack on the run. I was telling her a story with my arms up in the air, tripped on a tree root. Um, what was the story? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Probably nothing good. <laughs> Brie was probably like, oh, thank God, she <laughs> stopped talking. Uh, and then I did a few surges, I think, at the end of that run as well. Um, Friday morning, did a threshold with Julian and Jordan, who's a guy that lives uh, just down the road from me in Moggs Creek. So, yeah, I woke up in the morning and I felt a little bit off, but I actually said to Jules when we started the warm-up, oh, I'm back to that feel that amount of running where your legs and all your joints are a bit achy in the morning but there's probably another reason for that too um anyway started the warm-up and my heart rate was really high and then but I didn't again didn't think that much of it because we were probably chatting and probably running a little bit faster than I normally do and then the planned workout was three lots of a six minute float first with heart rate five to ten beats below threshold and then four minutes at threshold and we started doing the first float part and within about a minute, my heart rate was up at 181 or 182. And so my threshold's about 176. And I actually thought my max heart rate was about 186, but uh, within this workout, it got up to 190. So I was obviously a bit wrong on what my max heart rate is. Um, but yeah, I, I thought my heart rate strap was maybe broken first. Um, but 
the more the run went on, the more I was like, nah, there's something not right. I actually felt okay. My like perceived effort was quite low initially. And then towards the end, I started feeling a bit nauseous and a little bit uh, like feverish. Like I started getting goosebumps. And anyway, uh, turns out I had mastitis. So any breastfeeding mum will know that you can get an infection related to breastfeeding that basically comes on within a couple of hours and you go from feeling completely fine and maybe like a little bit of soreness in your chest to feeling horrible. Um, and basically I got, we started cooling down and I was like, Oh, I think I've got to stop guys. I don't feel very well. And I came home and I would just, yeah, broke out in a really big fever, got in the shower, then got into bed for a couple of hours. Um, so yeah, that was not a very fun workout. I, Ended up finishing the workout part of it. Jules ran with me, but it was pretty, yeah. My heart rate was through the roof the whole time. So I wasn't, I was trying to sort of stick to perceived effort and trying to keep heart rate in check, but it was definitely far higher than it should have been. A good confidence Um, booster for Moose, was it? Oh, mate, I was feeling good. I was looking down and my heart rate was like 145, thinking, I'm in shape here. I am. went to the Olympics and I am jogging her workout. Yeah. Wait till you get mastitis, Moose, then you won't be laughing. I could tell something wasn't right. Um, I also knew your heart rate was higher than it should have been. I might have to start linking my watch into your heart rate again so, oh. I, <laughs> so I can control you better. <laughs> yeah. The funny, like if you look at my heart rate graph, it's really interesting too because for the second half of the workout, it basically just doesn't come down at all. So even though we were slowing down, it just stays really high. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so that wasn't very much fun. But I went home and I got an um, appointment with the GP straight away and I was on antibiotics within – a couple of hours and then it's the kind of thing that basically as soon as you start taking antibiotics you start feeling a bit better and by the end of that day I actually felt quite good again so it comes on quickly but it also goes away really quickly um so then I had to tell the GP too that I'd just been for a run I think he thought I was a bit of a nutcase um that was Friday so then Saturday morning I ran uh 14k I think I I thought I'd just put my heart rate strap on and go out and see how I felt I wasn't actually sure whether I'd just run 20 minutes or but I felt fine heart rate was actually quite low um I just jogged pretty slowly 450s out and back along a flattish road and then Saturday Arvo I did a double which I was going to do on the treadmill but I didn't in the end because our, our treadmill's in a shipping container um, beside the house and it gets really hot. And Saturday Arvo down here was quite hot and the shipping container was about 50 degrees. So I went outside instead just in the bush, which was a bit nicer. Six Ks, uh, really easy five-minute Ks. And then Sunday morning had 26 K. So this was my biggest long run so far. Um, we met in Anglesey at the info center where we often meet and we just did a loop. We started at 7.30 cause it was going to be really hot. Um, did half an hour first, then went back to the car park and picked people up who wanted to start a bit later and then did another 20 K loop from there. So yeah, that was, that was good. It was pretty, pretty hot by the end and you know what it's like the first hot run 
in summer. <laughs> it's always quite challenging. Um, so, yeah, but that was good. Uh, so I think that week was about 123 Ks. So biggest week so far, biggest long run so far. And, yeah, felt good, and, except and for Friday. And so World Cross Trials is like about a month away. Um, will you have any races between now and then as a bit of a like rust buster or tune-up or or have a really hard training session to try and replicate race day? Yeah, I'm going to do a few local fun runs. Um, and I'll, so we have over summer down here, there's quite a few fun runs that are around 8K and they're actually perfect for it. They're hilly um, off-road runs. So there's one just after Christmas in Anglesey called the Rue Run. So I'll do that. Um, we've got the Geelong 5K and 10K on the 7th of Jan, which is only a week before, but I'll probably do the 5K then as, a, again, a little bit of a tune-up. And then if there's another local fun run that fits in somewhere a bit earlier, I'll do that as well. Yeah, I do. I feel like I need a few races to just because that level of intensity is so much different in racing compared to training. Um, but I don't want to be tapering for races. So any race that I do, I think I'll be going in pretty heavy, but I do need to get a little bit of that under my belt as well as some mileage. So yeah, it's a shame there's not something, well, there is that effect actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame there's not something other than that, like around now that would be, yeah, probably a good one to do. But Shame your coach won't let you run it. <laughs> Yeah. No, I said. No, I said. I said you, yeah, you can run it as long as you're you're okay with running 34 minutes, coming tenth, and getting beaten by a lot of people that uh, you, you might not um, be happy with getting beaten by. That's the, and that, then Ali said, "No, you're right. I can fucking stomach that. I'm not doing it." <laughs> it's just too like I wouldn't be competing up the front. I'd probably end up running by myself you know, 10K on the track, yeah. And also for me at the moment, it's actually quite tricky at night. The evenings are a hard time with a baby to go and do that, especially because I'm feeding her. So I can't, yeah, it, it would, logistically it would have been really difficult as well. So probably morning races are better anyway. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll find some ways to work hard between now and then, but yeah. Oh, nice one. Well, we'll look forward to following your progress over the next month. Um, Moose, what have you been up to? Uh, I had a pretty good week, 92K for me. Um, the I had to add a manual entry just then to get it up to where I needed it, but it wasn't, <laughs> was 92, though. So I started with 12.8 um, on the Monday, so kicking up the mileage that little bit more. Um, then on Oh, no, sorry. Monday was only 10. Uh, Bree and Pia came on a bike. So we got this bike seat set up for the e-bike. So Pia can come along and hang out on the run. She loves it. She she kind of watches me run along. We run past heaps of cool stuff she can see. So about 45 minutes is around about the maximum she'll tolerate the uh, the bike. So we, 40, 10K was good. Then Tuesday, ran an hour in the morning, got up over some hills, which was also good, ran through sort of um, an actual kind of hilly area like that I haven't been very often. It's a bit hillier than I probably should have gone, um, just considering my knee doesn't handle 
the elevation that much, but I was kind of so engrossed in a podcast. I didn't quite realize the trails that I was just picking. And by the time I got stuck halfway up this hill, I'm like, oh, fuck, I bet I got to get to the top anyway. So I, I, um, I ended up alley behind the tip in Anglesey running up to the top of the ridge. I don't know if you know where that oh. is behind Alcoa, just such a steep yeah. area. Really steep. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was all right by the end. And I thought, oh, this is feels pretty good. Um, I'd had started, my knee had started feeling better this week, even though I'd run more the week before. I did a little workout on Wednesday. So I ran um, five. I kind of like, <laughs> the only reason I picked this session was because it was saved on my watch and, and I could just hit do workout. I'm actually going to do that more often is set up more workouts in there because I'm not really following a training plan. I'm, I have my workout days, but I don't have workouts planned for those days. So I decide pretty much in the warm up what I'm going to do. And it's easier if the workout's saved in your watch to just hit do workout and then you can just follow the follow the beeps. So this one do was... Do you think by doing that where you don't have it planned and you just do what you feel like on the day, do you think that you would miss important aspects of training because you just do what you feel like or do you consciously try to make sure you're doing a variety? Well, I know the overall purpose for the run that I want okay it's just the specifics of it that I haven't laid out in front of me uh so um on on Wednesdays I try to do some anaerobic stuff and then on Fridays I try to do my high-end aerobic tempos or threshold work and and as long as I'm doing something that 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 hits those goals then I'm all right with it uh, so it's just, you know, like you get caught up in the specifics. So I don't think the actual details matter that much. Yeah. Uh, you're so making, this, yeah, you're making sure you're hitting all the right systems. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So the training's getting done, I think, with the right intention. And uh, I, I just I just can't be bothered writing program for myself, basically. So I um, – and because I don't think it matters at the moment. For me at the moment, it's just getting the work in. It doesn't matter, these small little things. But this one was pretty tough. So it's kind of like a variation of of a moose fartlek where you do a solid block and then a jog and then a really hard effort and then a jog and it's all linked together. So instead of doing five reps of three solid, I did three lots of five solid. So it was going to work out. You could kind of look at it as about three by a mile steady minute jog, minute hard, minute jog. And because mm-hmm. I wanted this to be more anaerobic, I just went harder um, than what I would normally do in if I was doing it. I think this workout was originally made in my watch like a threshold portion, the five minutes, but I wanted it to be over threshold for this because that was the purpose for the day. Um, so the first rep slow as because that's just my body. <laughs> I just can't get it going. And five minutes, I didn't quite hit a mile. I, I from now on, I'm going to do a with, with my workouts. I'm going to do like a two minute interval before I start the workout, just so that when I hit the workout, I can actually complete it as I want to, because I'm just too stiff and old to get going in 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 within the first like ten minutes. Does the uh, so, effort still feel high in the start or 
and you it, it still you feels feel high like your body just yeah right it, it feels like i'm sprinting yeah but but my, but i'm not um we, and, 14 yeah. second per k difference between yeah. your first one and your second oh, one. No. <laughs> it, it's funny though Moose. we had the same conversation at training last tuesday where like if it was a race you would like to think that you would be like tuned like you warm up you would have your body tuned so that you're ready to go whereas but we never do that in training for some reason like i'm i'm the same like first rep always feels the hardest and is always the slowest because we obviously don't warm up properly yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i know and i was thinking i was thinking exactly that i'm like gee in a race i'd be fucked right now <laughs> like the group that i want to be is 10 20 seconds down the road after a k and i just couldn't be with them um and I, I know the solution or well i think i have a solution which is is do a longer rep to start with which is basically just start the workout earlier um do you reckon even some like 200s would do it as well because i yeah, like because yeah. I, I reckon strides aren't long enough because you're only doing for like 15 seconds so i reckon you need to be going like at least that sort of 30 seconds to to, to prime everything i think it would work i think even strides would help if i did them uh, <laughs> which oh shit. can you hear that yeah yeah <laughs> very much you'd have to be you'd have to be deaf not to moose my dog just sprained his um wrist running around okay. the backyard yeah he just um jumped up the yeah. stairs and like was doing zoomies and then obviously um hurt his hurt his wrist can you yeah. hear that can you hear that moose come on sorry well i can't get so go, go back to your session. This you is a really good check on him. This is a good no, session from you. Please help him. Yeah, so I um first rep was three eighteens, um, minute jog, then I went harder for the next one. It was slightly uphill, so three oh one and um pace, then jog and the jogs are proper jogs as well. So then I went three oh four for the next five minutes, and this one was downhill, so we'll, like you've got to um in, include that in the in the explanation but i did go harder and i thought after that rep i'm like well i've just made that session pretty difficult to finish um but the jog after that i think i, I kind of carried on the rep a little bit that's why it says 422s for the jog because it takes me a bit to slow down and then 255 again hard, like pretty hard for that minute 310 for the next five minute block and 257 so i ended up hitting just under a mile just over a mile for the next two solid reps. That was the most impressive session you've done mm. for ages, I reckon. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because it didn't feel impressive when I was doing it, uh, probably because it, I don't know, I didn't plan it. I don't get up for the sessions. I just go do them. And, and I'm running them around the river loop, which is not a fast place to do a workout. 90%, yeah. 90% of it is dirt. And then you have two two hills in there, including one pretty steep one, just down River Reserve Road Alley. Like, yeah, it's pretty sharp up and over. And um, even like a lot of it is sort of twisty, turny track too. It's not like it's a big wide road the whole way around. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really care about the paces on these, and and so I think I'm getting fitter than what this is showing. Um, like I reckon I'll go do a workout tomorrow with the guys and I reckon I'll be pretty pretty fit for this track workout just because I've done everything on the really slow areas, uh, which which is good, but we'll see. We'll see. 
Uh, they won't hear this until tomorrow, but I'm going to fucking smash them. <laughs> I'm going to message them. And I'm going to fucking drill them tomorrow. The old session races. <laughs> Moose will undo all his hard work of like training sensibly. He'll be busted next week. <laughs> <laughs> My knee pulled up real sore after Tuesday's session. Don't like the track. Haven't the run. Track. Haven't run since. <laughs> Uh, Ran five twelve hundreds at fifteen hundred pace. <laughs> I I just ran easy on Thursday nine k, um, because I had a I was going to do a workout on the Friday, but because Ali was so slow, it didn't turn out to be much of a workout. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, thirty minutes. We actually averaged three thirty seven. So that's not bad, Ali. Like I know your heart rate wasn't. Mm, but, yeah, my heart rate was. Yeah, that. I don't know. It wasn't great. Yeah, it wasn't like there wasn't much change. There wasn't much difference between the ons and the offs. I noticed, which yeah, I think there was enough. So what we did was we went out. We started. This is the perfect way for an old man to start a workout. By the way, if you start with the float, so six minutes, and we actually averaged three twenty nines, which was too fast, um, really for the rest of the work. When you look at the rest of the workout, but then the next. Uh, that was uphill, and then the next four minutes at threshold was 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 proper uphill, and that was um, 3:29 pace as well. So that didn't change at all, but the effort was higher for sure. You can see my heart rate went from 145 to 158. So just going uphill and changing pace, um, it doesn't matter about pace really. It's the heart that we're working to. Then we turned around, came back down the road, so we had some downhill sections. So the float. By this stage, Ali, you were cooked already. Yeah. Um, so six minutes at 340s. We did pick it up for the next four minutes. Um, but because it was downhill, really, my heart rate only changed seven, five beats between that even because you didn't pick it up that much, only five minutes, five seconds a K. And then the next one got slower, 347s. And um, and you, you did pick it up to 337. So the workout got done, even though your body was not in a good position. And really, I'm not sure whether we should have kept going after you were, like, you weren't really. Yeah, I should have stopped after the second rep. Yeah. I actually considered that when we were coming back down Bamber Road. I was like, I, I wonder if I should stop now. I don't, I think something's not right. <laughs> But I, I still felt sort of okay at that point. And then it was when we started the third one, I was like, oh, I feel rotten now, but I've already yeah. started it. I'll just finish it. <laughs> it I think stupid. If, I think if you knew you were like, you don't know whether you're sick or you're just having a bad day or whether it's a bit. Nah, I knew by then what was going on. Yeah, okay. I'd suspected it before the run that that might be what was happening. But then I was like, oh, no, nah, I think I'm just, you know, when you're a bit nervous about session before you do a session too and you often think, oh, I don't feel that good. I feel a bit fatigued mm. in the legs and, yeah. But I think I did know at that stage what it was. You um, you should have called it off then. Yeah, yeah, I should have. It's funny now, I look, you weren't exaggerating about how low your heart rate was. <laughs> 150 for basically the whole thing. Mine was about 35 beats higher. <laughs> well, a few, um, probably about halfway in the workout, I was thinking – I'm saving this for tomorrow because I'm like, I'm going to have a crack tomorrow now. And um, so I wasn't really worried about the workout. So I, I wanted to have a good long run. Was, so, yeah. Was this because the guy that we were doing the workout with was 200 metres up the road from us and you were like, 
<laughs> let him burn himself. Let him burn himself out today, and because uh, he was real up and about in the cool down. So Jordan, who we run with, I had to tolerate him talking about how good his workout was for like 10, 15 minutes, and uh, we were doing a long run the next day. And I thought, right, I'll shut him up on this long run. Um, so he, we went out on Saturday because I had a fun run on Sunday, the Lara fun run, which we had a kind of like a stall expo thing at. So I couldn't do a long run with the group, so I decided to do it Saturday. Uh, and because I hadn't really done a workout the day before, I, w- I wanted to push a little bit on this. Uh, we, I was going to go about 22 to 25K. It was a beautiful morning, like as good as you could get. 13 degrees, humidity 85, the wind was nearly non-existent. Um, this was one of the all-time beautiful mornings for running it was clear to like no clouds and so we went we ran a pretty hilly loop uh i i was going harder up the hills um just to get a workout in and a bit more of a no, workout <laughs> read out what your plan was <laughs> there there wasn't like a specific plan um <laughs> that is bullshit there was so just to um, well, just to just to sort of test the uh, guy I was running with, Jordan, um, who fancies himself pretty highly, I thought oh, I'll go up the hills pretty hard and just sort of just see where he's at and see how fit he is. But then we're at the top of the hill, in order to um, test him a little bit more, I'll just I'll 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 go I'll sort of time it where I go about two minutes of kind of faster at the top of the hill and then slow down so he sort of he gets a bit of a breather and then on the next hill i'll push it a bit harder and i'll go for three minutes along the top after the hill um i reckon this is what you do just to yourself croaks when you go out for a long run (laughs) 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 no i just run the i don't know no yeah i just don't slow down the pace that i'm running on the flat i just keep going that up the hill so yeah run a bit harder up the hill yeah oh yeah (laughs) like even I've only run four nineteens on this. You would run twenty seconds a k quicker, and I reckon you'd go no, around the same. You got more. No, nah, you got more climbing. Like four hundred meters over twenty two k. Yeah, I, I get I get that in like thirty two k. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty yeah, hilly. This was pretty hilly, mm. um, and the the hills were sharp. Like these weren't gradual hills. You go up a hill and you know about it. So we ran around the back of the old coal mine. Uh, then we then we sort of had a longer downhill. This is where we ended up getting going a bit down here, which was good because it allowed Jordan to just to stay with me for longer. And then we hit the, like the one of the worst hills in the area, the Bald Hills Road climb up to um, the Anglesey bound or the Alcoa boundary track. That's a solid climb up there. And um, I turned around and I, I think I saw Jordan. He had a tear coming out of his eye. Like... <laughs> He was he he was so broken that he was crying a little bit, and this was only at like the 10k mark of the run. Um, so I stayed with him for the rest of it, and we just kind of drew it out. We 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 were going pretty good. We got to a point where I could have gone over a hill, but I, I chose the um, flatter route around it around the hill. Um, but by that stage, he was just dropped off the back, and and I would stop and wait for him, and um, it was so much fun. Like it was it was just a glorious morning for me. 
I uh, love how the I love how the run was 95 minutes, but your recap of this run was two hours. <laughs> hey, this is the best. This is the best run I've been on in a year by by a mile. Um, All right, carry on. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, a lot of complaining after that, and then he had to go and he's a he's a cap coach of the football club down here, so he had to be back for their group run. So we had to get going after we hit the um, the flat area. So we did. We started to to run a bit faster. Uh, and then I finished feeling really good. Like I thought 22 K and I thought this is, this is the best run I've been on in a very long time. And all of a sudden, like Sunday morning got out, we did the, I actually run the Lara fun run, just jogged it. Uh, you can't really tell on here because it was my GPS fucked up and I got this Coros pod. I'm not sure if that's playing a part here, but yeah, the, the Coros really screwed me on this one. I, um, said I did 7k in 2.27 pace, but I ended up, I think I'd ran like 42 minutes or something. So I did 10k. So 92k for the week. And I got super inspired. Like, I don't think I've watched a batch of marathons like that and been so inspired before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm, I'm feeling good about running again. Like I'm pumped. I have a marathon, actually an overseas marathon in February that I'm going to do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of. I only found out today. I, I, I have I haven't fully committed yet, so I'll I'll just wait till maybe next week to say what it is. Um, but Japan. Japan, yeah. Bef, Befu or Biwa? I'm guessing. No, it's neither. It's not. Ah, all right. Um, I just got to iron out some details first, and uh, then I can sort of tell tell you what it is. But it's yeah, I'm I'm kind of pumped. You're back. So are you gonna do a proper block? No, I I can't do that. So I I can't do a proper block. My body won't handle that. So I'm go I'm gonna do. Um, I'm just gonna increase my long runs a bit, and I'm gonna keep basically doing exactly what I'm doing, but my long runs will get longer, and and I'm not expecting to to run fast in this marathon, but at least it gives me something to get out there for, and um, it can it can motivate me to train. Also, I think it'll set up – it's a good building block for something later in the year. And if I can get through, like, a, a really low-intensity marathon – not a low-intensity build, but, like, a, a half-marathon build for this one, it gives me confidence I can build later in the year. Because mm, I was going to bring up, Moose, that you didn't get the email from Berlin saying that you're in for next year's race. Yeah. Did you? No, I didn't, I didn't enter. Oh, you didn't. Well, neither I would have I I got a spot, though, because I've qualified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I didn't. I, it turns out I didn't enter either. No. I, I just thought that I did. Uh, so what are you going to do now? Are you still because everyone because Bree's going over and you got other athletes going over. So will you try and get a backdoor entry or um, find another marathon over there? Yeah. So funnily you can enough, look after Pia. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I thought I'm going to. Um, it would work better for me not to run on the day. And I can go out and support and hand drinks if I have to or whatever. And I'm going to uh, Oslo Marathon, so where the king lives, that's um, the weekend before. So I thought I might go up to Norway and run a marathon before we go to Berlin. It's good so, from you, Moose. Sure. This, this is uh, – well, I thought it was going to be a big week on the podcast because of all the results that happened over the weekend, but this is some pretty big news from you. Yeah, I mean, it's very reliant on my knee. Like, I've got crazy arthritis in there. But – I'm I'm going okay at the moment. So 
and and because I'm not hinging and like this nothing hinges on my running anymore. Who gives a fuck if I don't run Oslo? But at least that's the plan that I've got. And um, I've never been to Norway. It'd be good to um, have Christian show us around. Mm-hmm. I reckon. Hopefully he's there. He's probably in Kenya or something. But um, I reckon that's that sh- that could be fun to organise. Yeah. Now Christian will be doing a Christian will be doing a hard 35k at the Oslo Marathon the week before Berlin. Maybe he can pace me and kill him. Maybe he can ruin his marathon again, but I'll be next to him. Oh, <laughs> um, no, that's good, Moose. Good to hear that you're motivated and you've got a few races planned. Uh, I'll quickly. You sound re- very chirpy. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. It's still on the high from from Sunday, Saturday morning. Yeah. On that long uh, run. Uh, yeah, so I was I was a bit up and about this week because I actually got to do some running. Um, so on Monday I tested my legs. So I'd had 15 days off. So I jumped on the treadmill and this is what I did in January when I was coming back from COVID and my calf. So I did four minutes of running, one minute rest, all at um, five minute Ks. And so I did that, I did five reps of that. So I ran for 20 minutes in total. Um, It was like much better than obviously it was when I injured it, but I'm like, no, it's it's just not ready to go. Um, And I was a bit concerned about how it was going to pull up, but it pulled up fine um in terms of like I, I hadn't sort of really re-injured it but I just knew that I wasn't ready to start like running every day so that was Monday I then took Tuesday Wednesday Thursday off by that stage I guess 48 hours after that first test it, it, it improved like a heap so I thought all right I'm good to go I'll, t- I'll jump on the treadmill and I'll just see how it feels and I got through a continuous 30 minutes um didn't really like notice it at all had maybe like a bit of awareness like after the run um but you know the next day pulled up pretty well so i jumped on and did 30 minutes again um and then uh, probably even felt better that day so then on when was it yesterday i decided to actually test it outside so i did 8k i actually wore the um coros pod as well moose for the first time and i wasn't sure if because I, haven't, I hadn't used GPS in like nearly a month, um, but it added about probably 100 metres over 8K to what I would normally do on this loop. So, yeah, I'm not mm. sure. Um, but it obviously didn't you know, mess up this run as much as what it did for yours. Um, so it made your pace slower? Uh, no, it made my pace faster. Cause I, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I'm normally about 8K. Like this loop that I do, that was normally 8K, but it was 8.1. So I was probably more like 430s. Um, but you would be proud of me, Moose. I turned off my K splits. That's my boy. Um, just ran, uh, yeah, like my heart rate, even on the treadmill, like the heart rate's pretty high at the moment, especially like just going up a hill. Um, but it pulled up okay and then actually like, but it's it's one of those ones where it's not, like it doesn't hurt so much to run, but there's still some awareness in between runs. And it's that point where by me going out and running 30, 35 minutes, am I delaying you know, how long it's going to take to be, like, complete or to the point that I can actually start doing sessions. Um, physio, physio chime in. Well, well, which one? Was it tib post or was yeah, it flexahalysis longus? Um, yeah, so the tib post area was sore, but then Ben Liddy, who's a good mate of mine and, and a, um, you know, pretty highly credentialed physio in Sydney, he messaged me today and said that he'd listened to the last episode and he said he'd never really heard of a tear of, like, the um, tib post before. And based on what I was saying, he thought I had medial tibial stress syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he said, you know, obviously rest is, you know, the best way. And, and I said, well, how long? And he said, well, 
based on the fact that when you first did it, like, you know, you couldn't walk around with without any pain. He sort of thought four weeks, um, which would be four weeks this Saturday. But he said that the bone can handle some load um, and still improve as long as you're not going above the threshold. Um, so is that sort of what your understanding of that as well, um, Ellie? Yeah, or well, medial tibial stress syndrome can be so, – there's such a wide variation of how severe it is. Yeah. Like it can be quite mild. But I, yeah, I'd probably like, just scan it if I were you so you know exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, like and it's the def- extent of it because it could be, yeah, just some bone edema, but it could, you want to know if it's a stress fracture. Yeah, And you yeah. also want to know if it's a muscle tear. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just don't want it to, yeah, like I'm happy to take another week off. Like it's, it's, it's almost there. Cause like I ran 10 K this afternoon and like, I don't really have any pain at all when I'm running. Um, but then afterwards it's like just a little bit sort of tender, but then if I ice it, like, like right now, like I can push in that area and there's no pain at all. Whereas after the run, it was a little bit tender. Um, so yeah, it's a tough one, whether I just pull the pin and take another week off and hopefully in that, in that, uh, with that recovery, it's a hundred percent. Um, and so. that's what Ben's sort of recommending that, isn't he? Well, he said, you know, you can still do some easy jogging as long as it continues to improve. Like, obviously, if you run and it starts to go backwards, then you're better off just resting. Otherwise, it could turn into, like, you know, more of a stress reaction. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, yeah. anyway. Um, Have you – did you play around with footwear at all? Uh, I've been – since starting back running, I've been running in a more, like, posted shoe – yeah, that's good. Um, so I was, the um, Kiano Kiano light I've been wearing. Um, yeah. So anyway, but like there's like massive amounts of progress, even from like Monday through to like now. Um, so it's much better now than it was last week. So, but I just don't want to overdo it and go back to where I was. Yeah. Anyway, that's me. Um, let's thank some patrons and then get into this massive week of running news. Uh, Moose, do you want to go first? Yep, so mine's um, Michael Berry from Alwood. So a lot of this info came in from uh, his mate Kev. He's also an old man. I'm not sure who is also an old man. I think it's referring to you, Croaks. He's also an, He's also an old man. Must be like you. Um, but he's getting faster. Uh, unfortunately... You're not getting faster at the moment. No, no. Um, <laughs> he's chasing sub three hours in Tokyo after running three hours seven in Chicago. Seven minutes is a chunk to take off still there, Michael, but Tokyo is pretty quick, good conditions. He ran 18.40 at Collingwood 5K, which was a PB. Half marathon, 126.58, which was the three Chinmoy Como landing half. Um, and then... He's also a diehard D's fan. Oh, so he must be also rich like Kevin. A couple of kids. Looks like, oh, here we go. <laughs> looks like he enjoys skiing. <laughs> yeah, classic. <laughs> classic Melbourne Demon supporter. Um, had, had some nice photos on Strava where I think he must have been over in like Canada or something. Um, yeah, awesome mountains and snow. Chasing the, the, um, the marathon majors around the world as well yeah a lot of cash from michael thanks for giving some of it to us <laughs> who you got ellie i have got ryan now i should know how to pronounce this because ryan's a run strong athlete i'm gonna say Zwano. yeah there's only yeah. one way to say that Zwano. 
that right? Yeah. Surely. Surely that's the only way. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but um, he's based in Northcote in Victoria and most of his PBs came from this year's Burnley Half Marathon where he ran 17.52 through 5K, 36.03 through 10K and then finished with 77.34. So it's a great run. Uh, 2.47 at last year's Melbourne Marathon. And he finished third in the 2019 Surf Coast Century 100-kilometer race. Um, <laughs> might work for the Department of Justice and Community Safety in Victoria. And yeah, he's coached by Scott Stacy, who's one of our coaches at Run Strong, and runs with the Hunter Crew. I'm pretty sure. Thanks, Ryan. Stuff, Ryan. Thank you. And I've got Jared O'Donovan. Uh, Jared lives over in Mount Hawthorne, um, so. WA Perth PBs of 5k 1826 10k 38.50 which he did at the Perth Bridges 10k uh, 85 minutes at the Perth Half Marathon and his marathon PB I believe is 345 as part of an Ironman triathlon um, does a lot of cycling and I think he might actually be from Ireland originally so Thanks for your support, Jared, Michael, and Ryan, and all the other legends over there at Patreon. Um, Brady informed me that there will be a final episode of Road to Valencia later this week when he gets back in town. So um, look out for that. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for your support. You can race on the official World Championship course at World Cross Country Bathurst 23. There's three days of action-packed mass races from February 17 to 19, 2023 at Mount Panorama. Race in the Golden Ticket events, Run with your club as part of the club's challenge or compete in the historic World Masters Athletics Championship races. Something for everyone. On sale now at worldathleticscrosscountry.com. Use the code INSIDERUNNING10 before January 7 to get 10% off your entry fees. Running news. Did you news. notice with Jared's times? Three, oh, 340. Hang on, no, ignore that. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, um, ig- let's ignore that. <laughs> running, out, running news. So we've got a couple of uh, big marathons to discuss. Let's start with the one that happened first, Fukuoka. Moose? Yeah, so Fukuoka wasn't that publicised and we didn't spend the – like it wasn't as hyped, I guess, for us because we got our mate Brady running um, at Valencia. We kind of – we're all about that. But um, – I was on Twitter on, like, Sunday Arvo, and all of a sudden I see Sean Whips tweeted Brett Robinson's run through in 15.02 or something um, at the Fukuoka Marathon. And then I saw in the thread there was a link to the stream. I'm like, oh, boy, yeah, what am I doing? I've got to watch this. And so then I pulled up Fukuoka, and uh, it was brilliant. Like, it's a good stream. It's Japanese commentary, but they've got um, – like, they don't care. It's kind of no frills, just – uh, post the uh, post the the winners group, I guess, and they also look at some of their sort of more highly fancy Japanese runners throughout the front group. Seemed like a male. Oh, it's still the male only race. And is this the last Fukuoka to go? Mm, now this is the one that came. Well, this came back. So I don't know whether that means it's going to be there next year as well. Um, but supposedly it was a really small field. This was the one that, remember, yeah, at, at one point I was looking to enter and, like, Andy, like, there was talk about potentially Andy doing it and it was going to be capped at, it was 150 or something and basically on the, you know, whatever times you've run. 
Yeah. Um, well, yeah, they, only, they only had 53 finishes. Yeah. And, and the slowest was 229.37. Yeah. So this is kind of like qualifying a, time for a BWAR setup. I thought it was um I thought it was under 224 because I thought I just scraped in with what I ran at Gold Coast. Yeah, well, it could have been. Yeah. It, it could have been, but some of those athletes may have run 229 yeah. on the day. Uh, there was quite a few DNFs. Um, the slowest person through halfway, by the looks of it, was um, 73 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's a, that is just a, a, an elite race, I guess. Um, but, our, like, all eyes on that front pack was Brett Robinson. So the splits, as we were watching, was, were pretty fun to watch. Uh, he's gone through 15, 15 minutes for the first K, and he was paced. Jack Rayner was leading that pacing group. Um, so when I flicked it on, I saw Jack looking like an absolute behemoth at the front of the pack <laughs> around all the other athletes. I didn't realise kind of how big he looks compared to other runners, but he was up front, and he was just ticking off three-minute Ks. So um, Brett was at the back, just tucked in, um, Obviously not chatting really to Jack, just sort of zoning out at the back. Ran 15 minutes for the first five. Then he's gone through 1503, 1459, 1504. So he, he at that point, halfway, 63-22, and Brett is still in the front pack. Um, so at this point, everyone's starting to the, – the message groups are firing up. Like we're getting <laughs> the threads are starting to to pop off on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. It's like it's happening. He, he looks good here, sixty three twenty two. Um, then, then like the pack kind of broke up at around twenty five to thirty k. So the front group they went um fourteen fifty five for that next split. Brett went with them fourteen fifty six. 15.04, the front guy, uh, Brett stayed with them, 15.06. And, and that's when um, – that's at 30K. So he had tw- – at 12, 12K to go, he's well under record pace. Um, so pretty much everyone's just locked him in here and said he's there. But there was a little stumble. So from 30 to 35, Brett's run 15.14, and the winner – has run 15.01. So the pack split. All of a sudden, Brett's kind of in the second pack. But good news here, he was leading the second pack. Mm-hmm. So if, if you see him up front pushing, trying to chase down the runners that are dropping from the front pack, that's just a brilliant sign. So at that point, we know he's he's still good. Um, he split slowed again, 15.25. So he was starting to bleed a little bit of time here. Um, however... It, by that stage, it's kind of a lock unless he falls over um, or has like an immense blow up. And we have seen it before, not not so much just from him, but from other people at 40k, they 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 cook it. Um, but he finished strong. So here he comes, 207.31, taking the Australian record, finishing in fourth place. He now owns the half marathon record as well as the marathon record. Mm-hmm. There are no asterisks left at the top of the leaderboards anymore for the men. Um, he, he got rid of the asterisks for the half marathon by taking it cleanly 
in sub 60 and he's taken the asterisks away um, from the top, which decaled from his run at Boston Marathon. Now the asterisks refers to a net downhill race which is a course that's not eligible for record purposes. Um, however, Deke ran that before they brought that rule in, I believe. So that's why we still use that as the um, as the marathon record. Uh, whereas that, so so there's been like a little bit of a clean up there with that process of of Brett running this on a on an eligible course. Um, and and so we start to go well. Brett Robinson's the fastest marathoner we've we've ever had. He's the mm-hmm. fastest half marathoner we've ever had. Um, he like that's. <laughs> did you think that he would ever get this record, Crokes? Well, like it's one of those records. And look, the, the awesome thing about this run is because it was Deke's record, and we spoke about this off air, Moose. That people that don't even know running know of Deke, and so mm. because Brett broke that record. He was on the Channel 9 News this morning. Well, Brett wasn't, but, you know, the um, footage of him running. So it was cool that it was in the mainstream. Um, but we also spoke that, like, the fact that this guy's run sub-60 for the half, like, he should be able to run 207. You know, when you're looking at all the conversions, uh, I know the marathon's a different beast, but, you know, he's run so much faster than what Deke and Mona have run over the half. So he's more than capable of running this time. And, and you know, every interview you've seen with Brett since he started the marathon, like he deep down knew he could do it. Um, and he actually met, so I messaged him and he said, yeah, like it was nice to actually just run a time that I, you know, thought or knew I could do. Um, mm-hmm. And and I reckon now, like, I, I think he'll, I think he'll go faster. Yeah. He, I, I've always like, it's always hard when someone moves to the marathon and we put pressure on them given their pedigree over the shorter distances to go and smash one out of the park mm-hmm. and i don't think it's fair because the marathon as this has shown as Sinead's run shown it takes time to learn it before you you nail you nail one it, it i think the average is like six six marathons before you run your fastest that you'll run for your career um and and it's just good to to see that brett has He's almost like a scholar of marathoning, the way that he's gone away and he seems to have learned something and he's he's considered what hasn't worked and he's working on his breathing and his nutrition and he's he's actually proactive in in getting better. Um, which which I mean it's been some like you could go away and go, Oh, the marathon's not for me, I'll just go win every single road race in Australia for the rest of my career and and um and that's the way I'll do it. But he keeps showing up for him. Um, which is really impressive, especially given that it's obviously caused him some anxiety, this the stitch stuff that he gets and the constant, um, like, well, what he would consider failures at the marathon. It's hard to go back and keep subjecting yourself to that time after time. He looked good, yeah. didn't he? Just He looked good just rolling three-minute Ks. Looked easy. It, 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 he looked either, do you reckon at the end, I reckon he looked like he had rinsed himself oh, when yeah. he crossed the line. <laughs> like there was no cell, he didn't. He didn't look elated at the time or he didn't celebrate. Yeah. He looked like he had absolutely rinsed himself. Isn't that – that's what's cool about the marathon, though. It is one of those events that when you nail it, like, and you cross the line and you're absolutely spent, like, even though he's broken the Aussie record, just no celebration because he's just left it all out there. Mm. Um, yeah. What I find fascinating as well, like, when you think about it, like, 301 per kilometre for 42K, like – 
Yeah. Man, I'd, I'd take 1K at that at the moment. Um, but <laughs> yeah. also, like, looking at his Strava, like, those guys go and do thresholds around Albert Park, like, every Thursday or Friday or whatever it is. He'll do 30 minutes at about this pace, yeah. which goes to show, like, you know, that's not training that hard, is it? If you, no, you know, you're only doing it for 30 minutes. It Well, it shows that, yes, he's not training that hard. It also shows that training is it's always going to be slower than racing. Um, and and now you can appreciate that. So you don't have to go out there and run your half marathon pace in thresholds. Yeah. Like you don't have to, everyone thinks that they do. Oh, what's my threshold? It's a pace you can hold for an hour. Oh, well, that's like my mar- half marathon pace. So I'll go run that. It, it it shows that it's not that. Maybe it's your marathon pace. Yeah, or look, yeah, he probably runs a, you know three four seconds a k faster. But still, you know, people out there run a hell of a lot quicker than uh, that for their for their thresholds. Um, yeah. Did you mention who also, won? Also, build up was a little different for him because he ran London Marathon only was it eight weeks ago? Mm, yep. Ran two nine. Like so this was a pretty short build up, and like listening to his training on the boys podcast, it sounds like. Um, he really only it really only has just started to click kind of right at the right time so yeah yeah that's that's a good point the turnaround from marathon to marathon I've always been real skeptical of of being able to pull that off of whether an athlete yeah. can do that or whether it's good for them uh, I think early on in your career perhaps not it's not a great idea to do that however when you get to sort of the point in Brett's career where he sort of he's just gunning for that marathon. Um, he he can pull it off, and he can it shows that he can actually like it might be a good strategy for him to do this. In yeah, the and it sounded like he came off that two oh nine and was like knew that he had more to give. Like he sounded quite confident that he could run faster. Which yeah, that's yeah. I also don't think he was that greedy when he like got back into it because I've got his Strava up now. So like. The week after the race, he ran 42 kilometres and then he had uh, like 127, uh, 144, 160 and then he had like three weeks around sort of 185 and then I guess like probably just a two-week taper. Um, so like it wasn't like he went, all right, I've, I've now got to basically replicate another eight-week marathon block. It looks like he really just had probably another like a three-week top-up between the marathons yeah. yeah and when you look at his Strava too if you look at the consistency that he's had this year leading into it like that's probably where it comes from isn't it and also how January good to... how good that he lets you see his training yeah that's yeah. it's it's so cool that we can just go on and look at a workout he did five weeks ago it's just it's incredible, like the aspect of the sport that we have, where we can just go in and see that. Hey Moose, I've always thought, um, and I feel like we've shared this before that, you know, look at our marathoners of the past, and they've all been like done a lot of stuff over hills. Whereas you look at Brett, he lives in Melbourne, doesn't really travel far for his runs. Everything he runs is pretty much flat. So, do you need to run? that many hills to run a good marathon well out of the oh. six out of the six guys that have broken 210 five have done a lot of hills and one hasn't yeah. so i'm going with the numbers here i'm going with but the, the fastest one hasn't <laughs> that's right yeah. that's right ellie <laughs> but that's who cares about the others 
he's got this is this could be the best runner of the group mm. so you like this is a 205 man with hills potentially yeah um <laughs> hey moose do you want to tell us top three Oh, yeah, no, I guess so. Or, or just, matters, just, tell us, just tell us who won it then. How, Maru, how far? Maru Teferi won in 206.43, but, yeah. yeah, who gives a fuck? <laughs> All right. Anything? Do you reckon that would have helped Brett as well? You know how, like, he's a pretty good racer. Being yeah. in that front pack and actually racing for the win, not just the record, do you think that would have given him an extra Yes, lift? definitely. 100%. And, yep. um. It's a good point, Ellie. So Jeff Hunt holds the debut record at 2.11 flat, and that was his quickest ever marathon. Um, and he was in, like, the battle to win the race um, for a long time. So I definitely think that helps rather than just being, you know, 10th, 11th, and, you know, 30 seconds back down the road. Time trial, the, yeah. yeah. In the third, the third pace group. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. the same. Not yep. quite the same, is it? Definitely, yeah. And he is a racer, as, as you said. So, all right, should we move on to Valencia? Yeah. Uh, should, let's before we go through the results, let's talk about our our, our two fellas that are on the Road to Valencia podcast. All right, yeah, because uh, actually we did have, and this might be a moose on the loose about the poor um, coverage or how the app shat itself basically. Um, but yeah, we had Christian, uh, who unfortunately was a DNF. Uh, then he pulled out around halfway. Um, I don't have his Strava in front, front of me, but uh, in the lead up, he'd been battling some hamstring issues, and it sounds like uh, that flared up again on race day. Um, Ali, you listen to Road to Valencia, don't you? Yeah. And so thoughts on how Christian handled his hamstring? Should he have run? Uh, I think he sounded defeated before the race started, I thought. Like, I think he knew that it wasn't. I, maybe he thought the hamstring might hold up, but uh, he could tell he went from thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a crack at sub-220 again to, nah, I'm just going to see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if you're going into a race already feeling like that, then there's maybe no point in running. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know exactly what was wrong with his hamstring. Um, I don't think running a marathon on a hamstring tear is ever really going to end well. Um, yeah, he yeah. he makes – he seems to make a few mistakes like this, I think. Like running Berlin when he was sick, that that was – he hits a self-confessed mistake. He said, I should never have started. Um, he's, he's had a few – runs now in the build-up where he, he he looks back and goes oh i shouldn't have done that run with um with with like the position that i was in at the time um in training and i feel like he'll look back on this one and he'll go yeah in retrospect i shouldn't have started the race uh, and, yeah. And, yeah probably in his mind too though he wasn't gonna go again in a few weeks and do another one anyway so maybe he was a bit like i'll just see start it and see what happens because he you know it wasn't like there was another really fast marathon in three weeks that maybe because you just can't keep getting up for them like that so he was probably of the thought process that he'd just yeah run as far as he could run and stop when he needed to and hopefully not make his hamstring too much worse but if you looked at his like block since berlin like he really hadn't trained for the marathon since that time because he you know went over to 
to Kenya, which was all just a bit of volume, um, you know, no quality. And then the hamstring stuff happened. So, um, like, you know, if I had the same prep as what he had for the last, like, six to eight weeks, like, I, I wouldn't have jumped on a on a start line of, of a marathon. No, no. And, yeah, like, uh, similar to Brady, it's kind of it's, – it, it's sad, but for a different reason. Yeah, like – I wonder if he felt pressure from doing the podcast to run. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, one thing I find it really interesting for these guys that live over in Europe is – and, like, I'm sort of jealous in a way – is that they have this opportunity to jump on a plane, head to Berlin, oh, that doesn't work out. Hey, I'll just enter Valencia, like, six weeks later, do that. Whereas, you know, like, Brady puts 12 months into, like, Valencia, knowing, you know, it's 37 hours for him to get there, and that's the one chance – who knows when his next, you know, flat, fast marathon comes, whereas people that live in Europe can just sign up for, like, a major marathon just about every weekend. It's so so jealous. Yeah. 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 It's, it would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Brady, um, he finished uh, 91st overall in 2.20.25, um, going through halfway in 68.06. So, yes, obviously – not what Brady wanted. Uh, Two twenty twenty-five. Like, even it's it. I'm, I don't want to sound patronising or anything, but it's still a fucking good run. Like two twenty twenty-five, and it's not what he deserved. He deserved faster, but he still held on quite well to and to run a very respectable time. Um, yes, he's not happy with it, but. Uh, it's still fast, and he's he's still come away with something respectable in my mind, even if he won't be happy with it. Um, and uh, we'll he'll review his race on Road to Valencia, and then we'll we'll pepper him with some some questions, Brad, when he's here to actually defend himself a little more. Yeah. Um, so we're going to throw to Ali to rip him apart. <laughs> Before you do, before you do that, Ellie, I'll, um, so, so so when he finished last night, because we had no idea like what was happening, um, because the app wasn't working. I I think I messaged you, Moose, saying this is how people must have followed a marathon like back in the day, where you would just wait for a text message, like from when somebody's crossed the line. Oh, hey, I ran two twenty twenty five, because we had no idea what he was doing. And then when we actually did see the results, like. You know, I thought he'd run substantially faster than that. Like, you just don't know what to say. Like, mm. And so I just said to him, mate, um, I don't know what to say other than I hope you're okay. Um, you know, the app wasn't working. Um, what can you tell us? And he, he said basically that from 25K onwards, like his quads just got so heavy. And he said it, it was like the h- hardest thing that he has ever done. Um, and he ended up in the medical tent, and um, they said that his like blood pressure was like super low. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's a shame. But over to you, Ellie. What 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 were your thoughts? Yeah. Well, first of all, like I can completely understand why he's devastated because the amount of time and energy that goes into like a race like this for him, you know, getting up at 5:30 every morning, fitting in training before work kids like it and I mean everybody knows that he wanted to run under 220 and a decent amount under 220 and you listen listening to his training like Jules said he deserved a, 
a much faster run than that. Um, so, yeah, it's a huge sacrifice, I guess, that you make to to do these things. And I can understand why he's he's disappointed. But yeah, I mean, it's still it is still a good time. But the first thing that I think when I look at the splits is that he just went out too hard. And it's so easy to do in a race like this. Like we, everybody who was watching saw they were saying the conditions are as close to perfect as you can get. Valencia is flat as a tack. Like it's, it was absolutely perfect. And it, you know, he, I mean, his first 10 K was three twelves, which that probably felt quite easy for him at the start. He was fresh. He, you know, the race adrenaline, the um, conditions, everything that, yeah, you're feeling in that start of a marathon, but just that probably you know, four or five seconds a K too fast early on, I think is what's just come back to bite him. And you can sort of see it's just he's gradually slowed as he's fatigued. Um, so, yeah, mm. I just don't know. Like, I don't know what, what – if he was aware that he was running a bit quick, if he wasn't worried about it, if he saw it and thought, oh, that's a bit quick but I feel good or – but to me, like, that's the big thing, I guess, when I, as a coach that I say to people, like, if you, if you just run even a few seconds too quick in the first 5K, you're going to pay for it. And you pay for it exponentially too. You don't pay for it with a few seconds in the last 5K. You pay for it with 10, 15 seconds in the last 5K. Like, it's a big – and sometimes more, um, which in Brady's case was more. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, like, oh, feel for him. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean – Maybe it's good that we didn't have the splits because that would have been probably stressful to see. Yeah. See that. I don't know if you guys would have seen three twelves and thought, ooh. Um, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, it's we knew like, we knew that he was behind over. Gido. Yeah. 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 We got his first five k split and then nothing else after that. Um, but like, I haven't been this disappointed for somebody. Like, I actually struggled to sleep last night because I had like. I was buzzing from what had happened with Brett and Sinead. And, like, you know, you saw Shaw Sinead cross the finish line. And, like, we've all ex- like we've all experienced that where we have, like, sort of nailed a marathon and you cross the line and you're like, oh, my God, like, this is the best. And, like, I really thought for Brady this, this marathon, like, that was his moment um, because, like, anybody looks at his Strava, like, look how dedicated he has been this whole year and as you said earlier like the, the times that he has to do the sessions in the morning um like how sensible he's been with his training um a lot of our i guess overseas listeners who are in europe like the the effort that goes in to an australian to travel overseas for a marathon like as you said on road to valencia it was 37 hours for him door to door to get to valencia thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. Leaving his leaving his wife and two kids for a week, you know, feeling sort of guilt. I guess feeling guilty in a way for like leaving them and then like not delivering. Um, like I said, I, I struggled to sleep last night because I had like on one on one side you got Chennai like nailing that marathon and knowing how that feels, and then you got Brady who should be doing that but is the complete opposite and he's he's basically alone there over in Europe. So um, yeah, yeah hope, hope he's all right, but. It's tricky, isn't it? Because you like you'd also show up on that morning and be like, "God, I just want to take a swing at it. Like this is everything is perfect. I'm so fit. Like it, it, yeah. You can see why people do. And like you know, in then you see in Sinead's case, you take a swing at it and it pays off. Like yeah. So it's it is really tricky. Um, but yeah, and, I wonder and, if 
I want, yeah, I'll be really interested to hear his recap of yeah. it. And Brady's not in the position because he has to fly home the next day to, you know, at 25K, realise it's not his day and, like, pull the pin and go, you know what, like, I know I'm fit. That was just a solid training run. I'll reload in a couple of weeks and 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 get it right, you know, maybe go a little bit slower through the first 10K. But you can't do that when you live in Australia and you've travelled to Europe for a marathon. You've got that one day. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And he did well to like, like he was obviously gutsing it out till the end if he ended up in the medical tent. And, you know, he still maintained a like a decent pace um, all the way yeah. through, even though he was obviously feeling horrible. So, yeah. And there's some really nice, uh, really nice messages put on his Strava, um, which, you know, he, he like he is an inspiration to a lot of people. And um, like even this episode, for example, like Brady's the one that, you know, you know, cuts all the audio, produces it, and at the moment he's, you know, he's flying home. So, you know, Moose can't do it, I can't do it. So we're stuffed without him. So, like, this podcast yeah. doesn't exist without him. So he does a lot for the podcast but also the running community. So he's, he's and appreciated. And everybody loves Brady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, be good, to have the, uh, be good to have the boss back next week. Um, all right, let's get through some of the results. So in the men's. Kelvin Kiptum won the race in 201.53. This was his debut. So it's the fastest debut ever. It was the third fastest time ever behind Kipchoge and Bikili. Um, How's this for his splits? 61.38 through halfway and then 60.14 for the second half. Um, crazy running. Uh, Gabriel Guillet was second in 203 flat and Alexander... Matiso was third in 203.29. There were nine sub 206s, 24 sub 210s. Thoughts? Wow. Well, Kelvin Kipton looked mm. amazing <laughs> running he, in. I just can't believe, like 60.14 for the second half. Oh. Yeah. yeah, from someone we haven't heard of, like, realistically. Was 22 he's 50, or 23 years old? Yeah, he's run a 58 half, I think. Yeah, but I haven't heard of him. Mm. Um, and he's come out and done that. This the, the third fastest all time on your debut. Behind <laughs> Kipchoge and I just I, I just said that how hard it is to debut in a marathon. And this bloke's just <laughs> totally uh, contradicted everything I said. Um, so, yeah, it's – we sit back and although a lot of people – might go, oh, you, you, you're all so cynical about all this stuff and every time someone runs well, they're doping, but not when they're from Australia, you don't mention it at all. Well, no, there is like a fucking doping problem in Kenya where this bloke's from. That's why we're sceptical because there's, what, been 150 people popped in the last however many years and they're all distance runners. That's why we're sceptical when this shit happens. Uh, and also when you follow the sport, you see, like, um, you know, you see that people's times in other distances and you see their progression and you have a little bit of an understanding about what's uh, believable and what's not, mm. don't you? Yeah. Yeah, you do. And this is this is on, on the unbelievable side of things. Uh, but, look, he could be our next – he could be the next champion of the world. You just wonder if you see him very longer after this or whether he kind of disappears with his millions of dollars already. Yeah. All right, shall we move to the women? 
Yes, that's All where right. the action's at. Well, we thought it was going to be the Giday show, but it wasn't. Um, Amane, Amane um, Bariso, she won. Uh, she ran 214.58, which was the third fastest of all time. Um, she went 67.18, 67.40. Uh, Gide was second in 216.49, uh, which is the fastest debut uh, by a female. And Shayla uh, Chepkarui was third in 217.29. So there were seven, uh, seven women under 220. And Sinead Diver finished 11th in 221.34, uh, which took a minute and two seconds off Benita, Benita's record, um, which she set in 2006 in Chicago. Amazing, hey? Yeah, uh, Ali, you go, because you're good friends with... Mm. Yeah, it like I don't even know where to start. It was it, again with the app. It was so frustrating because we you couldn't get splits. I had this leaderboard open website open, but it was really slow. It was almost it was more than five k's behind when it was updating. But every single five k update that we got, Sinead was running exactly three twenty one pace. <laughs> it did not waver. Um, and yeah, it w- I just, I mean, I like, I, sh- I can say this now because I did say it to people earlier that day. I knew she was going to break the record. And I was saying to the guys that morning on the long run, Sinead's going to break the Australian record today. Um, I just had a good feeling. I think it's something that she's been capable of for a long time. And it just hasn't quite happened because, um, you know, she's done some hilly races. She did the Olympics, obviously, was really hot. I, um, She's had a couple of things go wrong this year, like Nagoya, where she collapsed with dehydration. And then Com Games, um, you know, she still had a great run there, but she went in with an injury and got COVID a couple of weeks out. And I'd been listening to a little bit of her training. And I like, I mean, her training is always insane anyway, but this kind of just sounded like it was on another level and with ease, the way that she was doing it. And yeah, I mean, this this was the run that she was she knew she was capable of. I think everybody else knew she was capable of it, and it just everything came together finally for her at the right time, and she just absolutely nailed it, like mm-hmm. executed perfectly. Um, yeah, it was it was just brilliant. Like I I don't know. <laughs> her tr- look, as you said, like her sessions indicate that she's capable of this. Um, you know, because when she came on the show and she told us about the five by four K session that she did, which like I did that one with her before the Olympics. And like, I thought that was impressive then, which she obviously finished 10th at the Olympics, but then this prep, she was running that session even faster, like going through halfway in the session in like 70 minutes. Um, so, and I also said to Moose off air that like, like Brett running sub 60 for the half indicates that, you know, he should be able to run 207 for the marathon and break the Aussie record. Like Sinead finishing tenth at the Olympics in the in the marathon against the caliber of athletes, like you should be running two twenty one, you know, to finish tenth, yeah. you know, to, uh, to finish tenth at the Olympics. So yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's, exactly. We all knew she was at that level, and and she just like she's been wanting to do a race like this for years. Just flat, fast. She she hates hills. She loves flat courses, cold. Yeah. Like it was. Yeah, this was it was like it all was just leading up to this race and yeah, she she smashed it. It was and it was so cool, like because we couldn't really follow it, 
I was so glad that that the camera captured that 10, yeah. 15 seconds at mm, the end of her. That was cool. It was like you could you were watching her realizing what she'd just achieved mm-hmm. and thinking, oh my god, like all of these years of work and nobody works harder than Sinead. Um, mm. I've you know seen close up the way that she trains and yeah, it's just it's really insane to watch and you could you could almost see that on her face like realizing what she'd just done um for that 10 seconds and it was it was really special to watch i think it would have made everybody who was watching pretty emotional so i'll go through her splits this is this is probably the best not the this isn't the best part but this is the major reason why she got that record so 1643 to begin with um so she hasn't got caught up in the downhill in the race where she's gone out super hard um so she's gone 1643 1640 1639 1635 1638 1641 1647 1635 and she's come home in that last sort of k what's that last kind of splits 319 317 308 the last 500 meters so you're looking at someone who 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 only had it like a range gap of 12 seconds per 5k but that the majority of them are within three to five seconds per 5k splits that that is nailing your pacing and even running with that little negative split that not that she had a negative split what was she threw halfway in um uh 70 30 odd i think yeah, so it's pretty much even, right? Um, yeah, just a very slight positive. Story. Very slight. That That's how you do it. And she fucking did it, all right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just the other, another thing, like, I know she hates, like, her age being brought up, but, like, that is so inspiring, like, especially for a guy like me who is younger than her. Like, like if I can run 221.34 when I'm 45, I will be absolutely stoked. You know, like, like that's like this. That's incredible for a forty-five-year-old man to run. Like, it's yeah. it's so inspiring. Like, I, I believe it was an over forty world record. Yeah, yeah. Which she will not give a shit about. No, no, but but, but she but she yeah. won't. But but it's inspiring. It is inspiring yeah. for people who potentially think they're past their best. Yeah, <laughs> and yes, the, she got the the Oceania record. Uh, that is the main record, but. That's a world record. Uh, so although she doesn't care about it and she doesn't like us talking about it, it's a fucking world record and we're going to talk about it because it's it's sensational. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, like I'm just, uh, I'm just so glad that in 50 years from now people will look at the marathon record list and will look back and go, Sinead Diver, and she'll just be there forever. Yeah. yeah. And to take, like, Benita Willis was – an absolute superstar too so yeah you know taking taking her record is her records like you know she had them across almost every distance and they've all taken quite a long time to yeah um, they're only just sort of starting to get knocked off now so so look at look at look at the caliber of athletes that the records used to be held by you had a world cross-country winner um and you had a world championships marathon winner um, Deke and Benita, yeah. that they, they, they were the best 
or at least the top three to five in the world at that time that they were running. And in that particular race that they were running it, they were the best in the world. Uh, so the, there's a reason those records lasted so long. Um, and there's a reason we should celebrate them. What will be interesting now, and uh, it's good actually having you here, Ellie, because as you know, like once somebody sort of breaks through a bit of a barrier and a ceiling, it sort of means like others do it. Like we've sort of seen that resurgence with like, I don't know, maybe women's 1500 metre running at the moment. You know, how many girls are sort of going that sub four? But do you reckon now, like we've had a real, a big chunk of females around that 224 to 226, does that then make them and yourself all believe that, you know, 221, low 220s is is capable, is doable? Yeah, well, I mean, 221 is is another level. Um, but I know you're, you're right in what you say. Like, we've seen it with the American women as well. Um, as soon as the norm, like, the, the goal went from 225 to 220, and then now we're seeing how many more American women are getting closer to that 220 or sub 220 barrier and I think it what it will mean now is that people are going to have a swing and try and we saw like Lisa we saw she did it in Berlin this year she had a crack and and they probably people hadn't really been doing that with Benita's record prior like you said everybody was going to try and run 225 yeah. um and yeah I think now it is it is going to change and people are going to go and have a crack at even faster times but yeah i mean it it's 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 still going to be no easy easy job trying to get close to that record um mm. but yeah it's it's exciting to see what it will do i think that making the paris marathon team for 2024 is going to be you're going to have to run so fast it's not going to be 225 or 224 it's going to be more like 223 222 yeah Agreed. Um, just another note on Valencia before we move on. There was like a heap of national records, 87 sub 220s and 369 sub two hour 30 runs. Uh, is this the new Berlin? Yeah, it sounds like it. Oh, maybe. Did you see the masses coming in at like between 230 and 240? Yeah. No. So it was like what you'd see at the, yeah, the, you know, three hour 30 mark of another marathon it was crazy it's it seems to have that like it's out there now it's the world knows about it and people will travel for fast we know that and it sounds like it's easier to get in than berlin too there's no lottery is there no you just buy yeah you like they they sell out like there's they've got a certain amount of spots but if you buy early enough um actually i think the earlier you buy the cheaper it is as well um so yeah you just buy an entry basically that's cool no, no lottery that's... but it might change it might change i reckon if this if this continues this trend <laughs> yeah but they, they don't give out the uh like the world marathon medal thing so <laughs> if you don't get six they, they all go on this one super yeah. super yeah. medal uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a few people chase that no doubt all yeah, right maybe this is the event for people that want to run yeah sub 230 yeah. yeah yeah i wonder how many were there that ran like four hours to seven hours uh maybe it's just a full-on front-loaded race you can look that up and report back next week moose um (laughs) the other marathon uh, that we had um was ed goddard over in the us in the cim marathon he finished seventh in 213.36 so that 
um, covers all the marathon talk for the night. Let's move Poor on. Poor old to... Ed. Normally you'd be like 2.30 yeah. over in California, but yeah. Yeah. I believe you went through in about to do that. Yeah, I think you went through 65 something through halfway. Um, yeah. Oh, so, wow. um, Ellie, do you want to talk us through the results of the Albie Thomas Mile, which doubled up as the Australian Mile Champs? Sure. Um, so, in the men's race, we had Cameron Myers take the win, who I believe is 16 years old. 4:07:04. Joe Dang in second. Good to see him back. 408.44 and William Lewis third in 408.47. Um, I actually didn't watch this race. I don't know if you guys did, but I'm guessing maybe it was a tactical style Yeah, race. slow early. And then um, Cam Myers, it was a bit like what he did at the New South Wales 3K, sort of just got to the front uh, maybe like 450 out and just sort of gapped the field, just wound it up. And um, they never really brought him back. Like he's he, like he's been um, unbeaten this season. And I heard some stats. So uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen has the the youngest person, or he's the youngest person to break the four minute mile. And I think it was like 16 years and 10 months. And so I think Cam has like a few more months to um to try and do that. But based on his form, like, you know, I, I reckon he's in sub four shape. Um, Knows how to win a race, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. That's that's probably the best bit. He's just he, – he knows how to finish first. And he's, yeah. he's got his tactics down pat. Like, okay, at 400, I, I get to the front and then no one passes me. Um, it's, it's pretty simple. It, it sort of reminds – like, the, the problem he's had, though, is, like, we don't know how fast he can run because right. he hasn't been pushed. It was almost like that period. Remember when Ollie Hall was going out and doing all these 1500s, but he was like absolutely killing everyone. It's like, well, how fast can Ollie run? Because he hasn't actually been challenged. So I'd love to see Cam in a race where, you know, you've got guys like Stewie and, um, and Ollie. Um, yeah. yeah. To see what he can actually do. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll I, see I'm, it. I'm sure we will see it. Yeah. yeah. Women's yeah. race, we had Isabella Thornton-Bott take the win in 4.35.36. Jayla Hancock-Cameron was second, 4.36.12. And Ainsley Van Graan was third in 4.38.49. And that was actually a photo finish with Fleur Cooper. Yeah, so they were given the same times for uh, yeah third and fourth that went yeah to the photo. Jeez, that's um, a lot of surnames, isn't it? <laughs> it is, Moose. <laughs> that's um, three girls, six surnames. Yeah, so Is- Isabella, she's over at the University of Oregon, um, and so she's back home after. She ran quite well at uh, NCAAs uh, in the cross. So, um, yeah, she's she's back um, taking out the Aussie title there. Uh, Moose, just a couple other bits of running news. Yes, so um, Kai Robinson, who – was like ninth or tenth at NCAA Cross last week. He went and ran a 5K at an indoor meet. He ran 13.11. Um, that's the third fastest time ever by a college athlete. Uh, Stanford record, and I believe it's pretty close to um, – it was behind Ollie Hawes 5K. Yeah, Ollie was like – did Ollie run like 13.09 maybe? Yeah, but mm. it was very close. Like, so although he didn't have a good race at cross country, he is in shape. Yeah. And, yeah, that's a – he's another 
it'll be longer than Ollie Hoare, but we're going to see the same kind of caliber athlete come out of um, come out of college here with Kai. I believe he was one of my athletes to watch this year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> bet, you, bet you didn't pick this one. Um, no one picked this for the athlete to watch, but Steve Monaghetti <laughs> has run 15:52 at the Collingwood 5K. So that was a um, track meet held by. This is the one I was trying to. Yeah, and now and now I know why you didn't run, because you would have been towed up by Mona. Oh, you would have smoked me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was an over sixty. Well, he was the fastest time run by an over sixty runner. So it's not a world record because it wasn't a sanctioned meet. Um, I don't know what that means. Does that mean that there just wasn't enough officials, or did they just not pay to have? Something because not elect like electronic timing or like um, yeah I don't know that would have been electronic electronic timing wouldn't it so actually it's funny this because I looked into the um the permit stuff for the Geelong meet that we're putting on um January seventh actually a good little plug here five and ten k races down in Geelong they'll be graded everyone can show up you can be invitation you don't even have to be AV member um so get on board that but. There was like two options to pick. You can have a um, like a proper like there was a sanctioned meet option where I think you have to pay a lot more. You need more. You need more volunteers. You need a more like a higher um, degree of setup. And then there was yes, you'll get timing and stuff, but it won't be sanctioned. Um, and I, I I can't actually remember. I think we actually picked the sanctioned meet in the end, so it's it's elig- eligible for records and qualifying times, whereas the first option wasn't. Um, so I'm guessing that's what has happened here. Mm. And I think it just comes down to staff on, like, I think it just comes down to to the amount of officials there. Still going all right, Monor, isn't he? Oh yeah, well yeah, that's yeah. Pretty, pretty good. And, <laughs> so <laughs> impressive. Yeah. 60. Yeah. Remember when yeah. you were a kid, how old a 60-year-old seemed? Oh, it's still pretty old. Like, it's <laughs> it's not that old to Brad because he's not too far off, but it's it's still old to me. And uh, guess what, Moose? We have Mona coming on the show next week. Oh, no shit. Yep, as part of the um, plug for the World Cross Country Champs. Oh, there you go. Yep. He might take a golden ticket. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fair. <laughs> That would be awesome. That would be so good to see. Yeah, he would. He is good at cross country too. He he still keeps up with that Sunday group in Ballarat. I know that, and that's a hard run to keep up with. So yeah, oh, that I bet you he does that, and I bet you he goes out hard too. That'd be awesome. Um, speaking of World Cross, we're now having a short interview with Richard Welsh, who's the general manager of the event, and he's going to fill us in on um, how listeners can get involved. All right, we're just over 10 weeks away from the World Cross Country Champs in Bathurst, and we're fortunate to have the general manager of the event joining us this week. Welcome back to the Inside Running Podcast, Richard Welsh. G'day, gents. Great to be with you again, talking World Cross. Yeah, thanks for giving up some time in, uh, I'm sure, it's a, a super busy period for you. How's the event coming along? Look, it's been really awesome, to be honest. The, uh, the team that we've got together putting everything into place for us is uh, is fantastic you know we've got the logistics team that did the the commonwealth games for australia in birmingham we've got pont three that organized the sydney running festival doing all their operations uh, 360 doing our marketing communication we've got awesome 
technology and medical people and, and um, I've even got the great man Brian Rowe working on it for me from Athletics Australia. So we've got a wonderful team putting it together and um, yeah, we are wide open for entries and hence, uh, hence the chat with you guys to try and encourage people to to make it their world championship and, and come out and support the, uh, the first ever world championship for Opens on Australian soil. Yes, the reason we wanted to get you on was to, you know, discuss how listeners can get involved, either be running or spectating. So let's start off with the running side of things. What events are open to the general public? We've literally got 34 events on that the general public can enter across the three days. So um, the World Championships are on the afternoon of Saturday, the 18th of February. And we're in we're inside Mount Panorama in uh, um, in Bathurst, so where they have the V8s race, we're, we're building a, a purpose-built two-kilometre cross-country course in the middle of it, which will have a whole bunch of iconic Aussie features, which we can uh, discuss shortly. And so there'll be races from 800 metres through to 10K, depending on your age. Uh, we've also got the World Masters Championships, so all you need to do is be registered with uh, your federation, so that might be um, Masters Athletics Australia. Um, there's relays on the Saturday morning. There's there's club relays. There's mate relays. There's um, a hot lap on the Friday afternoon. So if you're a a pretty quick runner and you want to come and just try and run one lap as quick as you can and have a crack and then compare your time to what the athletes do in the World Championships the next day, we think that'll be a a fun novelty. But one of the coolest ones, I reckon, is, and I still can't believe World Athletics approved this and signed off on it, but on the Friday morning, the first events that we're opening up with will be the golden ticket races. Have you heard about that, boys? Tell Very us, mate. <laughs> it's, uh, so open men and women and under 20 men and women, so replicating the age groups for the World Championships, and the first seven across the line from Oceania, so they, they, they'll be Aussies, Kiwis, Fijians, Vanuatus, uh, Papua New Guinea. The first seven across the line in each of those four races will win a wild card into the World Championships the next day. So if you miss out on the Aussie team at the at the trial in Canberra on January 15, then here's a chance to line up against Joshua Cheptegei in the World Championship the next day in the Open Men, for example. It's just awesome. And um, is that how's that going to go down? If someone, if if it's uh, like you could be, you were, you might get in the way the next day. Yeah, well, I mean, in order to make that, you're gonna have to be pretty good, right? Um, so it, it's going to be for the athletes that just miss out on making the Australian or New Zealand team. So it'll be competitive to get in there. Where um, we don't think there'll be any risk of them getting lapped. They will stand on the second start line and you won't be representing your country. So there's some rules around that, some sensible rules so that you're right, they don't get in the way. Um, but if you're starting one metre behind um, the lead pack of all those Africans and you're not in the top six to make the Australian or New Zealand team, strong chance with the uphill, fin- uphill start for 250 metres, you, you'll struggle to catch the leaders. So yeah. we don't think they'll get in the way. Yeah, that's pretty cool though. Like it'd be the first ever to do that really like we haven't seen that before at any major championship no we haven't and i was uh, at a conference last week in bangkok talking to the guy that organized the last world championships uh Jakob larson who's now the 
the head of the director of competitions for all world world athletics events and talking to him about it and he assured me that it had never been done before so unique to Bathurst 2023 and um well where do people go to enter these races yeah, so World Athletics uh, website, you can go to the link there to, to Bathurst under the competitions or go direct to worldathleticscrosscountry.com and uh, just click on the link for mass races and go through and enter there. Uh, if you want to do multiples, you can just buy a bundle and you can enter an event on the on the Friday, the Saturday morning, the Sunday. Um, and I should say that all entries to all mass races over the three days, regardless of which one, uh, the kids runs for $20 or the golden ticket race, which I think $79, includes a spectator pass to the world championships on Saturday afternoon, which is uh, worth 35 bucks in itself. So it's pretty good value. Um, well, she, the course, uh, can you talk us through the course quickly? Like, is there any highlights? Is there a, a bit like a, um, you know, the, the, the last one there was that you ran over a house or something um what's the is there anything like that here yeah there sure is the world athletics were really big on having a cool design so jared um uh, jared ryan from canberra has actually designed the course with uh, wayne Larden and the team so i take no credit for it but it is awesome uh so it's a 250 meter uphill start then you run on along a bit of an off camber uh, then you run across some wood chips through a, a billabong, a bit of a mud pit, we're calling it, uh, up a massive hill, which has, a, you know, upwards of 11% gradient. Uh, we're calling that the Mount Panorama. Around a boomerang, which will be a bit of a tight turn, uh, through the Bondi Beach. So we're bringing in a 40-metre length of, of beach, and we'll dress that up with some lifeguards and have some fun with it for the commentators. And then um, we go through some private land, uh, two elements of that. One will be uh, a vineyard. So we'll run through um, the vines of a vineyard. We'll have three of those as part of the course, and you can choose whether you're a, a Shiraz, a Chardonnay, or a Rosé kind of drinker. Um, oh, so they can pick which um, lane they kind of go through. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's cool, yeah. And um, we also think that'll be a really key tactical part in part of the World Championships where moves will be made because you'll only be able to fit one or two abreast. So they'll actually have to spread out and and run their own pace through there for about 100 metres. So I, I'm sure we'll see moves made on that because it's slightly uphill as well. And then we come out of that place um, and we run through Dave's place, who's one of the residents there, and he's got a nice eucalyptus front yard. So we're calling that the Aussie bush before they go down a massive downhill uh, equivalent to the start, you'll be doing, you know, they'll easily be clocking two minute 30 Ks down there, they'll smash it. And then they'll have to hammer on the brakes, chuck a Yui and come up a chicane. And then that's 1800 meters done, um, run a little bit of the finish shoot and head off and do it again. And depending on which one you're doing, um, you can go and do it five laps or one lap or for kids only 800 meters. Mm. And um, spectator experience, Welshy, I believe there's going to be some, like, entertainment in the fan zones. Yeah, look, this is a three-day activity um, that we're wanting to put together for running mad fans. It'd be crazy for us not to uh, give Aussie running fans an experience that'll be beyond belief. We've had um, preliminary entries have blown us away from... Uh, world athletics so we've actually got more athletes from across the world we've got 65 countries coming and so we'll encourage the athletes to to spend time um watching and, and experiencing it with the fans you know distance runners are pretty friendly whether they're world class or um 
you know, a punter. It's a great mixture. So there'll be plenty of opportunities and activations, um, much like a fun run finish line experience, you know, where you've got lots of sponsors activating and hanging out in food stalls and live music and entertainment. It'll be that for three days. So um, if, if you like your running, honestly, it's a cool event to come to. Absolutely. Sounds like it. Um, now, accommodation there, mate. Best to get in quick. Yeah, I wouldn't leave it too much longer. I mean, obviously Bathurst can accommodate a lot of people because they, they get 70,000 to the Bathurst 1,000, but they do do a lot of camping on that. We are considering having some camping options because we've booked a lot of the accommodation in town and there's about about 2,500 beds in Bathurst. It's They're pretty close to full. Um, there are some beds available if you get in quick. But then also there's Orange not too far away, Lithgow, Katoomba, all day trips. So there's you can you can still get a bed. I'd encourage people to book quickly. We'll be releasing some other beds soon for the World Masters athletes as well coming out. Um, otherwise, just you know, runners are tight. Usually get together with your mates, <laughs> campsite. Um, you don't have to stay in Bathurst. You can you know stay around the corner and and drive in is what we think most people will do. Yeah, croaks. I'm not camping, mate. Let's get a house quick. Viv has been hassling me about when we're going to pull our finger out and book something. Yeah. So, because she's she's keen as mustard. Um, yeah, I'm not camping. <laughs> uh, well, should we know you've got a world athletics meeting to go to? Is there anything um, that you want to add that the listeners should hear before we let you go? Uh, look, we want to show the world right that this is a cool event, and Australians can put on cool events. So. Um, we're encouraging as many people to come and make this their event. That's why we've got a mass participation program. We think 80% of our spectators will be participants. So we do have a, an offer for Inside Running uh, users or listeners. So if you use Inside Running 10, you'll get 10% off any entry fee or, or mass participation. And if you're part of a club, we, we're selling uh, marquees. You can see all the information on our website. So you can bring your marquee and um, set that up for the three days and have a premium spot of uh, spectating on the on the course and get your club marquee um, on the international broadcast. So we think that's a pretty cool opportunity for for clubs to to take up and bring a group over. So and if anyone's got any other ideas, we we just want people who love running to come and support this and show the world that uh, we want to host future world athletics events. This is the first time we've had a senior one. So. Um, yeah, you can't miss this. You can. A lot of people out there complain and whinge that we don't get stuff, and then when it comes, and they just won't go. So this is the opportunity to get there. It might might not happen again. I think as a runner, you've got to get there. It's like the Olympics. It, it's honestly a once in a generation opportunity for us. Like I've never, been, I've been to an Olympics, a Com Games, a few World Champs, but I've never been to a World Cross, and here I am organising it. So. I'm excited to see it and want to do a really good job to to show off Australian skills. And, you know, the other thing to touch on is that the Aussies might win a gold medal, the 4 by 2 k I mean, we've got four Olympic finalists over 1,500 metres and others knocking on the door to get into that team. So our Aussie team in the 4 by 2 k will be phenomenal. Yeah, good point. Yeah, we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. I can't wait. Um, Welshie, thanks again for giving up some time. All the best over the next 10 weeks. Um, and, yeah, look forward to oh, – I might see you at the trials. Are you going to be at the trials? 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about cross-country right now. Let's do it. Nice one. All right, mate, take care. Thanks again.
Thanks, boys. Appreciate Cheers, it. Richard. Bye. All right, Moose. Uh, I think we might um, leave listener question because we've been going for quite a while. So why don't you tell us about Moose on the loose this week? Yeah, well, there was a couple here. There was a couple thrown at me, just like suggestions from from a group chat. One of them was um, college athletes wearing their college kit instead of their local club kit. Another one was co- clubs poaching other athletes. Uh, but I don't know much too much about this, so I'm going to stay away. I'm just going to throw it out there, and then people can pick up what they want from it. Um, so Moose on the Loose it could have been about the Valencia app just not keeping up. I think the podcast may have overcooked it, people searching for Sinead and, and Brady. Just too many people on the one athlete, you reckon? Oh, yeah, probably Christian, actually. Like The amount of Strava followers he has. Oh, yeah, Chris broke, o. broke the internet. Chris O would get him going. Um, it was actually going to be about the coverage that the Australian Marathon Records got in the in the country. Um, so, like, fucking Australian Football League released their draw for the 2023 season, which isn't for, like, four or five months. Yet that took the front page of the sport. Or the back page oh. or whatever it is. I'm like, you are kidding me. The, the like the Socceroos played in a World Cup fi- semi-final or whatever it was, the round of 16. That's massive news. The two marathon records got broken. That is insane. Come on, that's huge. Like, this has been around forever. And the AFL got their uh, got the draw as the the main. Like, it's not even a match. It wasn't even an event. Yeah, that's that's what happens over here, isn't it? So it's a bit sad that that's our sport, still just sort of uh, followed by the niche community that is ours. It was good to see Brett get some coverage, though, this morning on the news. And even when I got to work today, there were people like, oh, what about Brett breaking the um, breaking the marathon um, Aussie record? And, like, the only way – the only reason that Brett got the coverage was because it was Deke and, you know – non-runners know about Deke. So it's sort of, I guess, newsworthy. Um, was Sinead, but then, was it no, Sinead's record on there? No. no. Oh, that is oh that's fucked. <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing, you know, like because Deke is like a household name amongst, um, you know, non-runners, whereas Benita's not. Um, yeah, yeah, which is also just crazy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, good one, Moose. We'll probably – I reckon we might revisit some of those other Moose on the looses that you – um mentioned it maybe another week okay happy yeah. for that and you can take over all right yeah, happy to. Not, i don't reckon they're too they're not too bad oh they? mate it was oh there was some there was some steam coming off the other end of the chat line really <laughs> yeah i could i didn't quite get it either but someone was upset well don't you think like 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 i guess i can't really talk because i ran for the bendigo bats and i've never lived in bendigo i've actually never even been to bendigo before <laughs> so this you're is a bit missing, you're not missing a great deal this is a bit hypocritical from me but like one or two athletes here or there is okay but like when you start seeing all of these athletes swapping clubs when they have absolutely no allegiance to that club whatsoever like 
I just don't think it's great for the sport. So it's why not, is it swapping? What's the well, what's the motivation to swap? I'm guessing it's money. I'm guessing you know they get their rego paid for. They get some travel assistance when they go to races, nationals, and that sort of thing. Um, maybe fund some of the overseas trips, which is look that's great yeah, for the athletes. For that. It's 100% for that. It's, it's That's what happens in professional sport, Brad. Yeah, but what about a bit of bit of loyalty and but but also when they, it comes people to, don't say that when a footballer changes clubs but, for a million dollars yeah, or a but, year. But when it what comes to like loyalty? a but when it comes to a state competition, if you've got one club that has a heap of money because they're backed by a club that has pokies and restaurants and that sort of thing versus your your local club that you know has absolutely no backing. Like, what sort of what sort of state competition do you have? Mm, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, this has happened in local footy forever, right? This is yeah. this yeah. is just this is local football leagues all over, um, and we like no one's cared enough to pump that sort of money into a into the athletics scene. Obviously, we yeah. saw it a few years ago in uh, the AV League when we were like there were interstate athletes getting funded to come over and race some cross country races mm-hmm. i don't know whether you remember that it was in victoria at I got the time inv- i got, in- got invited actually oh yeah melbourne See, I actually- no, this was aps oh really yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah well even then simon hurt getting his fucking rego paid for and stuff yeah well, and see, he- when when hurdy was in canberra there was um there was two other there's a couple of other guys that I was training with at the time that would actually fly down Saturday morning race and then fly back that night. Oh yeah, <laughs> see th- like this is this is going to happen forever. And if you can get a, a club to come in and go, hey, I'm going to look after you. I'm going to I'm going to support mm. you. I'm going to run for that club. And yeah. Like I, I mean I wouldn't because I'm just Geelong. I bleed the blue and white, right? <laughs> but it's an so. it's, but it, it's an interesting topic because it's good for the athletes. Like it's good that you know, these sports clubs that have financial backing are, you know, giving the giving the athletes money. But when it comes to the legit, uh, I guess, a legit sort of competition, when you've got one club that has all of these athletes that don't even live in that area or have any connection to the club running for them, like, what's the incentive for the other clubs to even rock up, you know? It's, yeah, it's, but it, I guess if it's money coming into the sport, maybe that will help grow the sport, you know, as a whole. Obviously, you're right, it's going to kill mm. some of the other clubs. Yeah. And it's it's sort of, I guess, what level do you want that? Like at grassroots level, do you want that coming into it? Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky one. But I think it, any sort of financial backing that athletics is getting is great. <laughs> but then what about Moose? Is it okay then for people in the club to go oh like how good's our club going and it's like well your club's only going well because you've got money that you can you know poach all these athletes with like that's, so that, their, that's their strategy so for don't go bragging don't go bragging about how good your club is when you've just gone and bought bought the best athletes in your state and you know interstate but nah. like bendigo bats aren't paying anyone are they no, and that's what I liked about Bendigo Bats winning. It was, I think, every like everybody in that team had some sort of connection with that region. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, so there I've, you go. You've got to create create a good culture, and you'll also get yeah, yeah. But people. it's culture. Culture is number one, and if it's, you're struggling with that, just bring out the checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, good good chat. Um, I think that's it. I think that wraps up the show. 
Uh, Ellie, thanks again for coming on. Um, all the best with the World Cross trial prep. Um, you got anything exciting coming up in the next couple of weeks? Uh, my birthday. <laughs> it's very exciting. What day? what day? Saturday. Actually, did we do a we we did a session on your birthday a couple of years ago down the coast? Oh, we did too. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. driving through Bayman's Bay. Yeah. When? Oh, oh that that birthday. day. Oh, that yeah. That, yeah, that's the day we did the yeah. session down the bay. Yep. Moose, what do you got coming up? Uh, oh, I'm doing a workout tomorrow. This Sunday we've got a Surf Coast Track Club New Balance run, Ali. Don't forget about that. Oh, yeah. Um, shoot. New Balance coming down, look after the Surf Coast Track Club, uh, take some photos. So that'll be fun. Um, that's about it for me. Moose, do you know any big events that are happening in the next week that we should be plugging? Because I don't know of any. Is that a pick? Uh, is that – oh, yeah. Okay, that's on – What that? Uh, so what date's that? Is that Saturday? It's next Thursday night. So this Saturday is the graded races. Okay. And then next Thursday night is the elite races. Yeah, Saturday so we'll, we'll be recording them before that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, Ellie. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just getting everybody. We record. We record every. We record every Monday, Ellie. It's okay. <laughs> we to talk aware. about events more than a few days before they happen. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we got publicity. We got Zadapec just over a week away. Um. Other than that, yep. The boss is back next week. Brady will wow. be driving driving the ship. So I'm I'm very happy about that. And we'll have Moner on for a brief chat. So, anyway, thanks for tuning in. Thanks again, Ellie and Moose. Chat to you next week. Thanks, mate. Well done Very on this last uh, however long thanks, you've done mate. it. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Ali. How would you like to run in the official World Athletics Cross Country Championships? The Golden Ticket Races are your chance to secure a wildcard slot and race against the world's best and be featured in the global broadcast. Learn more at worldathleticscrosscountry.com. Use the code InsideRunning10 before January 7 when you enter any mass race to get 10% off. Doesn't matter.